Welcome to OOM Trucking Radio. My name is Rebecca T. I am the creator of the Facebook group Owner Operator Mentoring. OOM Trucking Radio was created to further explain and explore topics in the trucking industry. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Pro Act Bill with Stephen Goodsell and Chad Teague. Many of you in our Facebook group, Owner Operator Mentoring, know Stephen Goodsell is Stewie Goodsell. Stewie has an asset-based company with three trucks called High Country Carriers, based out of Arleigh, Montana. He is also an admin in the Facebook group, Owner Operator Mentoring. Chad Teague is also an admin in the Facebook group, Owner Operator Mentoring, and also is the creator of the Facebook group. Dewey will, provide, will be providing us information and insight on the Pro Act Bill and how you can protect yourself and your company from falling victim to the bill. And we will also talk about how to correctly set up your business to keep it safe. Stewie and Chad, welcome to OOM Trucking Radio. Please tell us a little about yourself and how you became a part of the trucking industry. You go ahead, Chad. Uh, I've been trucking since I was about eight years old. I start, first started draw, driving a Mack truck hauling hay from the fields to the barns, and then I started hauling produce from the fields to the packing houses, and it just kind of steamrolled from that to us uh, manufacturing and and uh, producing our own product and hauling our own product and uh, in a pine straw company, and then uh, we purchased our uh, big truck in 2018 and, and became a owner-operator with our own authority we run under our own mc and it's just kind of went from there and we're a single truck operation we're not a big operation and we kind of like keeping it small small and easy and i got my first trip in a truck when i was 10 days old Uh, my mom had me in missoula montana and her and my dad jumped back in the truck, and 10 days later, I was in Boston, Massachusetts. I'll post a picture of that later. People can laugh at that one. Um, ever since then, I've been around trucks, trailers, the driver's side, the owner's side, and the mechanic side. I worked as an ASE certified technician until 2001, and I'd had about enough of working for other people. I just wasn't a very good uh, employee, I can say that now, but back then I was just bullheaded, did what I wanted to do anyway, didn't matter if I was working for somebody or not. I then got my CDL and borrowed $8,000 and bought my first truck. I ran leased on for the first six years and started my first trucking company and then closed that one in 19 and came to work at High Country Carriers as their general manager. I've been running the show here since um, summer of 2019. All in all, I've been driving for 21 years legally. Before that, I drove all the time with my dad. Uh, I was 10 years old when he taught me to drive, drive driving across Wyoming and Nebraska during the summer. But just running my current outfit that I work for now is more than enough and keeps me hopping every day. Great. So let's move forward with our conversation about the PRO Act Bill. Stewie, can you give us some insight on what the PRO Act Bill is 
and what it means for owner operators? The PRO Act is kind of a federal feed off of the California AB5 bill. What they've done with that AB5 bill is many people will remember, some won't. Uh, a while back, there was a problem with Uber and the Uber contract drivers. They were all independent, all owner operators. They owned their own cars. Some of them may have been leasing them from banks or whatnot, but they were their property. Well, they were working for Uber and they weren't being smart about running their businesses. They were taking their gross wages and running with it, not as a business and saving for taxes, maintenance, repairs, so on and so forth. They were just taking the money as their wages. Well, that put them into a bind and they complained to the state of California that rolled it forward. And now here we are, it, their California AB5 bills going federal. So because of a few that weren't smart enough to be able to save for taxes, the rest of us are going to suffer because of the many facets of the PRO Act, only part of it is union. The rest of it really comes hard on the independent owner operator. Like the first part says the worker is free from control and direction of the hiring entity in connection, excuse me, connection with the performance of the work, both under the contract for the performance of the work and in fact. Meaning, if you're working for somebody as a subcontractor, um, say Joe Bob's truck, right? You've just been Joe Bob, you've had your truck forever and it's yours, you own it, you're leased on to a carrier because you don't want the hassle of having your own numbers and taking care of all that back office work. Well, what this deal here says is if you're working for them, that you're completely free of control, meaning they can't find you your own loads. They can't dispatch you on those loads. They can't do any of your back office work. You have to be 100% independent of them. So you're either going to have to go get your own authority or you have to change up how your business is built. We'll get to that in a second. So, the worker performs work that is outside the usual course of hiring the hiring entity's business. This is basically saying that if you go to work for a trucking company as an owner operator, they can't move freight as same as you because well, you're doing the same job as them. If you're doing that, you're an employee. Well, they just want those employee taxes. Now we'll get to the next one. The worker is customarily engaged. Oh, go ahead, Chad. You have a question? Yeah, I have a question uh, because it, isn't there a three-pronged test? I think you had brought it up previously uh, in the group about the ABC test, and some people call it the three-pronged test. And on that second prong is what uh, Todd Spencer had sent a letter to legislators concerning about the, the second prong of it. And basically what they were saying from my understanding was that if you contracted with say, you know, whatever trucking company that you want the, the contract with as an independent owner operator, you must perform work outside of that independent company that you're contracting with. In other words, if you go and lease on to, to Joe Bob's trucking company and he has his own authority and uh, you lease on with them, then you, for you to be considered a contractor, you would act, actually technically have to perform work 
for someone else besides Joe Bob. And the problem with that would be like, for instance, you, you would know would be like insurance. That would almost be like me going over here to Jim Bob's uh, trucking company and say, well, I, I let me do some work for you and I'll do it under, you know, uh, Joe, Bo uh, Joe Bob's uh, MC authority. And, and that's kind of sounds like pretty much what they're saying is, is you've got to perform work outside the duties of that specific trucking company that you're leased on with. Is that not correct? Yes. In a roundabout way, it is because they, I mean, the exact terminology they use, it says the worker performs work that is outside of the usual course of the hiring entity's business. So let's say um, Joe Bob's trucking has a haul of eggs from Michigan to Ohio. Well, you want to lease onto them so you could do that dedicated run, you know, a load every day, take a load of eggs from Michigan down to Ohio. If he has trucks, according to what they're saying now is you can't do that because he has trucks. You would just then be an employee. doesn't matter that you own your own truck or not. Um, then like the second, that was the second prong. The third prong, it says the worker is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature that the work is involved in. So it's like, wow, that's really a tongue twister, right? Saying, it is. okay, you're already an owner-operator, and it's admitting that you're an owner-operator, but it's saying, but you're doing the same job as them, so that means you're an employee because you work for them. And I mean, they're really trying hard. And Chad, the real reason why they're coming after this is they want the payroll taxes that the smaller owner-operators haven't been paying. They've been paying a small amount of taxes here and there. You know, I mean, that's the name of the game. You know as well as I do. Keep your net as low as you can with as many write-offs as you can. Cover your um, retirement accounts and savings accounts. And keep as much money as you worked your ass off for. Well, and, the government and, and, has just had about enough. And it seems like there's a the the issue that they're trying to push is is they're trying to make like that it's a good thing because what happens is 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 Joe Bob's company will now have to provide insurance benefits, uh vacation time and all those type benefits to a contractor that's leased on and they're gonna make them like they're an employee and you're gonna be responsible for all that extra that you're going to have to provide for them as if they're an employee rather than a contractor. Is that not yep. what I and, understand? And, yep. And that's what they're trying to do is because they want the, they, they're not going after the individual owner operator. They're not going after you or me, you know, if we were leased on somewhere, they would go after the company because that's where the biggest revenue generation is going to be. When they can find the company that you're leased onto for not withholding payroll taxes, they'll get all them payroll taxes from them based on what they paid you for gross as an owner operator. So if you get right. paid 90% of what the load pays and you're hauling a, let's just say a thousand dollar load, you get paid $900 to move that load for that 200 miles or whatever. Well, then they paid you 900 bucks. So their feds are going to say, no, you have to give us the payroll tax based on that $900. Can you imagine how big the tax debt will be? For, say, like a three-truck operation that has just owner-operators, it would be millions of tax debt just overnight. The owner it of that company be. is instantly out of business, bankrupt, and lose everything. 
but they'll never lose and, that tax debt. And I the think that that's going to be, I think that's going to be a, a big thing that it's going to be a big misunderstanding out here with uh, independent owner operators. We're trying to, to navigate through the correct way to set up their business so that they are protected so that they can continue to operate without, you know, all these hurdles that they've got in front of them right now, uh, because otherwise they're going to find themselves in a big mess with the federal government. Oh yeah. It's going to be epic, you know, and it's like, like you were saying, you know, setting up their business, right. And it's really not that difficult to set up your business, right. You know, if you're in one of the states, I think there's like 14 of them now that look as an S corp and an LLC, just as a direct pass through to the owner's taxes, they're not going to say that you're a legitimate business owner because no, it still may be Joe Bob LLC truck or trucking LLC, but you're in a state that it's passed through. That means it just goes directly to your personal income taxes again. So it really doesn't change anything. Well, if you're in one of the good states where an LLC isn't a pass through, you're golden. You know, all you got to do is Google it. Uh, like you, you're in Georgia, right? Correct. That's correct. And, let's and our state is a pass-through state. Okay, so then if you brought on any owner-operators to work with you, they're going to have to have a C-Corp you know, right. that owns the, the trucking company. And that's all they need, just that C-Corp. And they can lease on to you. And it'll be one business hiring another business to subcontract work. And Correct. you will then say, okay, we got this work available. You can do it or not. It'll still be legal. They'll still be able to be owner operators. They just have to become an employee of their corporation. Now, right. um, think of like Nebraska. I don't believe that's a, a pass through state. Well, that brings me to another question. When an owner operator first starts out with their business, what are the things that they need to do to start up? Should they start out as an LLC or a C Corp or an S Corp? What do they need to do to protect themselves from this PRO Act bill? It really depends on their state. Um, if they live in a pass-through state, they want to have a C Corp, period. If they're in a non-pass-through state, an LLC is fine because many states still see an LLC and an S Corp as its own entity. It doesn't pass through to the owner, even if you're a sole proprietor. Those are okay. You just have to find out if your state is that way. If your state isn't that way, you need to get your C-Corp, get it set up, become an employee of your corporation, and continue on being the least owner operator and doing what you love to do. So, Stephen, why would they, why would they not choose? Because I seen the other day in the group there was some discussion about this very subject. Why would they not choose an S-Corp in a pass-through state? What is the difference between choosing an S-Corp and choosing a C-Corp? Because I seen a lot of guys posting in the group the other day about advice about, oh, go with S-Corp. But I think the issue is, is we don't really have a clear understanding among owner-operators the right direction that they need to take. So what, what is the difference between the S Corp and the C Corp and why should we choose C Corp over S Corp? Well, the real reason why you should choose a C Corp over the S Corp is protection. 
let's say you're going to be an independent owner operator. You got your own numbers, MC number, DOT number. That corporation is going to be the veil to protect you individually in case of an incident. Um, gotcha. We've all seen them on the roads. I mean, we've all dealt with them, come up on them where there's a wreck and you may be involved in it. You just may have ran over some debris. Somebody's going to sue and they go after that trucking company's insurance. Well, if it's just uh, Joe's trucking, you know, no corporation or anything like that, or even if it's a cor S corp in a state that's a pass through, well, then they get sued. Well, no, no, it's an LLC. You can't do nothing. Or it's an S corp. You can't do nothing. No, your state already says it's a pass through. So that means those people can then, not only sue your trucking company, they can sue you personally. And any BS ambulance chasing lawyer is going to get that through in court because all they have to do is make the argument. Even our state recognizes this as a sole proprietor passed through to their personal taxes and they collect the money personally. So everything that that, that, that business buys is then up for grabs. That per, That's a, a, I know a perfect example for what you're speaking of and it was last year that was in some trucking news websites about a lady that was up north and she had two children in the vehicle she passed the driver and when she passed the driver in deep snow she lost control of the vehicle and when she lost control he hit her and it and one then there was some fatalities and one of them was the child and even though the dot said that he checked out that he didn't do anything wrong his logs were good he was doing everything right. This lady still is suing him for several million dollars, even though the driver was in, in the right. So sounds like that going with the C-Corp will prevent you personally from losing everything you own possibly over someone that made it was their fault for uh, dangerous driving. Even though you're doing everything right, this driver was in the right this will help protect his personal assets. Yes, that, that's 100% right there. And, and it, that's the name of the game anymore. You know, if you were running a flower shop, an LLC pass-through, not a big deal. But we have rolling ATMs, or at least that's how the general public looks at us, is if they get into a wreck with us, they can sue and just get a, a quick paycheck. We've all seen the wrecks. I mean, heck, I'm sure coming down the Dan Ryan, most of the listeners will have seen those billboards. Hey, have you been hit by a truck? We can get you millions. Correct. Wow. Oh, I see I them mean, all the time. Oh, Running yeah. Up and down the seaboard, I see them there everywhere. Yeah. You know, and and that's a just truck good. accident, call so-and-so, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, if and, we and, can't help each other and protect each other, uh, we're just going to lose the industry. Correct. And that's what we're here for. That's what we're trying to do. Their, our, their success is our success, and that's the whole point of – us having owner operator mentored and starting this OOM radio is to try to give advice and, and help the industry as a whole, because it affects us, uh, by what's going on with them. So as, as, as a, as a coordinated effort, we're trying to give advice to other owner operators so that they can get set up to help protect themselves. And we don't keep having more and more regulations because of, you know, these accidents and things like that that's going on. Yep. Yeah, that's the biggest thing right there. Is nobody wants to lose the money they've been putting into savings to send their kids to school. And somebody's looking to try and steal that from you. 
And, and that's what we're trying to stop. We, we, we want to educate as many as we can to be stronger owner operators, whether they're leased on to a carrier or whether we're helping them get their own numbers. I want to see them succeed because what uh, owner operators, we run what about 80% of the truck freight in the country. That's pretty big. You know, we run well, more believe, small uh, owner operators. Go ahead. Joe, Joe DiLorenzo, uh, came out onto the right outside the white house there. I think when they do that little meeting up there with drivers close to the white house every year. And he said on video that about, I think it was about 89% of the trucks that are, are on the road are running under their own MC and are independent owner operators. 89% of the trucks on the road are, are independent owner operators. So yeah, you're probably pretty close to, to being about right, you know, about 80%, 85% of the freight across the U.S. is moved by independent owner-operators. We are in high demand. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, trucks, we only move 72.5% of the total freight weight. That's still 72.5% of the total amount moved. It's done by truck. That's a lot of tons. That's a you lot know, of freight. That's a damn lot of freight. And... and the stronger our owner operators are, the stronger our industry is. Then we don't have the owner operators that are running cheap freight because we're all working together saying, no, don't haul for them. They have cheap freight. Exactly. We don't want that. Exactly. We want everybody we, needs to make money. Go ahead. And, and, and it sounds like that what we're trying to do is, is keep costs down because at the end of the day, if, if we can get these owner operators to set up and form, have the correct, business formation then at the end of the day we're saving on operators money oh yeah piles of money just we save them money by just teaching them how to figure out what their daily cost is so back to this pro act deal let's say a company is already set up as an llc do they need to change it to a c corp or what process do they need to do? Can they keep it as an LLC or do they, how does that process work? Um, like I was saying, it depends on what state they're in. Um, we're just going to use, say, Georgia for an example because that's where y'all are at. Um, say, I was going to come lease on to you guys. You could stay in LLC and be fine, but I can't. I would have to have a C-Corp to be able to be contracted to work for you because you have a pass-through working for a pass-through, they're going to say the second pass-through is just an individual and an employee. Okay, so, so basically it really affects those that are leasing on to another carrier. Yep, that's the one that's going to hurt the most. So let me ask you this, Stephen. Yes, what sir. if I'm an asset-based company and I'm set up as an LLC? And I'm running a brokerage and I have a trucking company. So that makes me an asset based company. So what if I, what if I then use my brokerage side to just run the run trucks? They're not technically leased on to me, but I'm using my brokerage sides to, to run those trucks. How does, does that, does that prevent them from running under the brokerage or does something have to be changed then? No. Um, because the brokerage, would just be arranging freight. But if you're dispatching them 
let's say you have one MC number that is a carrier and a broker, then the trucks leasing onto you would still have to be a corporation in order for them not to be a pass-through. Okay, but on and uh, having go ahead. <clears throat> no, nah, uh, you have said something about uh, if you're a LLC, then uh, you basically you're not basically it comes down to you're you're not going to be able to to lease anybody on to you with the LLC because if you do and and they're running under say sole proprietorship or LLC, you're not going to be able to lease them on. That's bottom line, correct? That, that's bottom line, because just on the pass through states, on like Georgia's the one, you know, it if they lease on, they have the. I hate to say it like this, but if somebody gets upset about the carrier they're leased onto, all they got to do is once this pro act goes in, call their um, Department of Labor and say, "I was an employee here, working for these people. They didn't hold out any of my taxes like they were supposed to." And then the state will come in and destroy them. But if they say do that and they say, no, no, they were a co contractor. Here is their W-9. Here's a copy of their articles of incorporation. Look, they are their own corporation. We hired another corporation to do the job. So, so basically, if, if, it's a, if it's a company that has a MC and, and they're running the brokerage on the MC too, then that proposes an issue. Is that what you're saying, or, or, or it don't pose an issue? No, it won't pose an issue for um, Bill's trucking company to do a load for the brokerage, and that'll be fine. It won't adjust that at all. The only thing it'll mess with are the leased-on owner-operators. Okay, okay. Okay, so let's say that someone set up their business as an LLC or a proprietorship and they want to change it to a C-Corp. What do they need to let their insurance company know, if anything, that they have changed from an LLC or sole proprietorship to a corporation? All they really need to do, uh, you're not going to change your LLC from an LLC to a C-Corp. All you'll do is you'll start a new C-Corp and then sell your LLC to that C-Corp. There will have to be money that changes, you know, bank account to bank account. But it's a very simple process. You know, you just go to your Secretary of State website, start a new corporation. Once the paperwork shows up for that, you write yourself a bill of sale selling the LLC to the C-Corporation for a fair and equitable amount of money, and the C-Corporation just has to pay you payments over a certain amount of time. And your business can actually pay you interest because most states require a minimum interest rate on financed monies. So, okay, but so this, brings, this brings a question to my... This brings a question to my... I'm sorry, Rebecca. This brings a question to my mind about uh, something I, I remember you saying the other day in the group was that, or maybe a phone conversation we had, was that if, it, if you wanted to leave your trucks, your equipment in the LLC, that was fine, even though you had a C-Corp. How does that work? I mean, how do you have, 
your trucks still under the LLC, but you got a C Corp that are they just running as a subsidiary under the C Corp? Um, it, it's kind of taken out of context on that one. Let me let me straighten you a little bit. The reason I tell people they need to have a separate LLC to own their equipment is strictly for money savings. It um, costs you about twenty bucks to start an LLC. You can file the tax return annually, you know, through many different tax programs from $100 to $500, depending on what you want to spend it on. But the main reason, say um, when I help people get new trucks, right, you know, they need a truck to start off trucking with. I always caution them, don't buy your dream truck. If it fails, you're going to have a sour taste in your mouth because it's your dream truck. You don't want that. Buy a cheap truck for your first truck and go trucking but it needs to be owned by the, a separate LLC. The reason why is when you buy your second truck, don't trade in your first truck, park it in the field, shut the insurance off because it's owned by a different company. You have a rental agreement between say company A, which owns the equipment and company B, which owns the MC and DOT number. It leases or rents the equipment to that company. You know, you pay a payment over and um, use that as savings money to go buy more equipment if you want. You know, n never get it out of your head that you're in business. The days of doing business like our parents and grandparents did where it was just you went to work, you saved, and you kept rolling like that, there's too many Sue happy people. You have to okay, break but, it up. Well, hold on. Before but wait, just one second. Let me finish this up real quick. When you have a separate LLC for the equipment, you use one truck, and you got a spare truck sitting at home. You're having to insure it all the time with the, at least the bare minimum full coverage on your policy while it's owned by the company. If it's owned by a different company that you rent it from, you can shut it off at will. Say you have six trailers sitting in the backfield. You're only using one at a time. Shut the insurance off on five of them. Leave it on one. Just remember to send an email that you're getting ready to rent a trailer from a uh, trent truck rental company. It doesn't matter that you own it. But just add it to the insurance, drop the other one off. So that way you're not having to pay a stupid amount of money on insurance on equipment that's just sitting parked. That's the reason okay. why I tell people to do that. So so to, to give uh, owner-operators an idea how to set their self up like that. Now, let's say they are like, say like me and Rebecca, we are already, we've got our one truck. We already are set up under LLC and... How are they going to set it up so that they can do exactly what you just said? Um, like you. you. You've already got the LLC that owns the trucking company, right? Whose Correct. name's the equipment in? Is it in the LLC's name or your name? It's in the LLC name. Start another LLC. It's 20 bucks, right? Through your secretary okay. of state. And then you just make a bill of sale that you're sell selling it. it. LLC. Yeah. And you just sell you. it to that LLC and then it's owned by that LLC and say you got three trucks sitting, you know, you're, you're like me, you collect the dang things and you're looking at one truck and it's like, okay, I can't drive that one right now because this job needs this type of truck. So it's like, all right, I can shut the insurance off on these two trucks because they're going to go sit in the field for a couple of months, drive this other one. It's insured. Now I'm not paying insurance on the three, tr on three trucks, just the one I'm driving. Great. Great. See what you're saying. It's all about saving money. You know, you got to save, save, save. 
and that's the number one thing in this industry. It puts so many guys so out. Basic, so basically, the, the, the whole issue there or the reason for doing that would basically be to keep from insuring trucks that you're not moving. Absolutely. Why give those insurance company extra money? They're already making, what, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year profit off of you? Why give them any more? Exactly. So let's say that I'm going to change from an LLC to a C-Corp. Okay. What do I need to do to, with FMCSA to update the business information? Am I going to have to get a whole new set of numbers and everything, or do I just update my MCS 150, or what do I need to do? You just update your MCS 150, and really you don't have to do that. As long as, um, well, let's say, you know, name of your trucking company is blah, blah, LLC on your MCS 150, you're good. You know, it doesn't matter who the owner of that is. It's only if you're changing from Joe Bob's Trucking to Joe Bob's Trucking LLC, you have to initiate a name change. But you don't have to tell them that there's been an ownership change. They request it, but really there's nowhere in there to uh, go in and just change ownership. Okay, so, so my next so, question then is yes. Um, so so hold on just a minute, sorry, Rebecca. Yeah. So basically, so basically, if I'm Rebecca's Transport LLC, uh, there's no need to to change and tell them that it's Rebecca's Transport C Corp now. Or and and another question would be, Stephen, is does owner operators have to change the lettering on their truck? You know, they have their lettering as Rebecca's Transport LLC. Do they have to take the LLC off of the side of the truck and put C-Corp, or do they just leave it like it is? No, they just leave it like it is because you're not changing the LLC. You're just uh, – Rebecca is just not individually owning the LLC anymore. It then goes to be owned by uh, RTS Incorporated, you know, however you want to call it. Um, and it's just, you know, basically still the same ownership. You're just creating another barrier of protection. Gotcha. So you really don't okay, have to update so, the MCS 150 on that. Okay. So with everything still being an LLC, but it now being owned by a corporation, would you have to change anything with the bank? Like say your, your account right now is set with your LLC. Do you have to change your banking to reflect the C-Corp? What is smart to do is just take the contract paper and a con not contract paper, um, the article articles of incorporation from your state to your bank and start another checking account. So all the billing and everything still goes through the initial LLC bank account. You just transfer the money right out, send it right over into the bank account for the corporation. That's all you got to do. Okay, so does so that mean that does that mean that when brokers pay you, you're going to have them to pay you to the C corp, or are you going to have them to still send money to the LLC? Oh no, you still have to send money to the LLC because remember, it's still a business. It's okay. just owned by a parent corporation. Think of all these food companies, okay? You go buy a, um, a bag of uh, black and white wafer cookies. I'm not going to say their name because we'd probably get in trouble. You know what I'm talking about, though. They're owned by right. a big corporation. So I buy those black and white cookies, and 
pay the store for them. Well, they're owned by another company. So the money goes directly to the cookie manufacturer. Well, their profits then get sent up the chain to the company that owns them. And their profits get sent up to the chain to the next company that owns them until they get to the final company that owns the whole umbrella of companies. You see what I'm saying? So you just, right. the money goes up, you know, at the end of the quarter, if there's profit, it goes to the C Corp. Sounds like this is set up a lot, very similar to like an enterprise, you know, where you have a big, you have one big company that has a several subsidiary companies and and they and some of these big companies I know like in milk the milk industry, there the milk companies a lot of people they might have one name, which you know there's several big names in the milk business, but they're actually owned by a bigger company, yeah. and and they're they're basically just passing the money up the food chain. That's a hundred percent all that it is right there. Just that one, one animal feeding another. Way. Yeah. Yep. So. If the if you're still getting paid in the LLC, do you have to let brokers know that the LLC is owned by a corporation, or do you just continue on as the LLC? Once the broker pays He's, the LLC, you need to transfer that money to the C corp. You don't have to tell the broker anything about that. Company ownership is nobody's business but the owner. You don't have to let them know. The only reason you tell the uh, feds is because of the ownership and you're they're going to know anyway through the irs you tell your insurance company because they're insuring you and you don't want that to be wrong so you're going to let them know hey we started a c-corp we sold our llc to the c-corp we still run it just another layer of protection they're going to say that was smart because they know you're more protected and then the brokers it doesn't matter it, it, the trucking company that the llc Still has the same MC, still has the same DOT. It doesn't matter where the money goes after you get it. Right. So then there would not really be any need then to go through changing broker care agreements and all of that just because you changed, you, you know, your LLC was sold to a corporation. Yep, that's correct. And I, I have another question, Stephen. I, I've heard through the great Ryan that, when you become, uh, uh, when you have a corporation, that when you go to borrow money, the dynamics change. In other words, when you walk in the bank to try to get a loan, the dynamics change. It's more of yes, sir, you can get that loan, than it is a no. Is that is that true? That is very much true. And everything that I've seen in this industry in the last thirty years, you go in, you've got a corporate structure. You have a president, secretary, vice president. You can have four of your family members on the board. It doesn't matter. But they're going to see that as a corporation. And they're happier with that. You can get corporate um, business credit that will far, far surpass any personal credit. So, it, it's, so that, that brings up another question. You know, so so when when somebody does change their formation of business to where they have a corporation, when they walk into the bank, are they going to walk in there and say, I own Rebecca's Transport LLC. Uh, can we can we get a loan or are they going to walk in there and say, I own such and such corporation? They're going to walk in with the articles of incorporation paperwork and say, 
I work for such and such a company. We would like to borrow money for this. Here's our business plan. Here's our profit and loss. Here's our cash accrual for this year, a projected cash accrual for the next 12 months. And they're going to know you've got your ducks in a row. They're going to be happy. Right. They're going to like that. And they're going to roll with it. But if it's Joe Bob's trucking, still not even an LLC, hey, I want to go buy myself a new Peterbilt. They're going to say, okay, let's see all, you know, all this. We need all your taxes. They're going to look at your taxes and say, well, you're, you know, <laughs> not very good. You've only made $20,000 a year for the past 15 years. I don't think we, you can afford that payment. Oh, well, I had all these write-offs. The bank knows. They know what you can write off and what you can't write off. That's why so many small owner operators that don't build their business can't just go borrow whatever they want for the business. They have to use because their personal had, credit. Because they hadn't really built no business credit under a C-Corp. And yep. it sounds like that as, as you slowly progress, if you start out building business credits, they're going to be jumping at you to offer you these. After you build your business credit, they're going to be jumping at you, offering you largest amounts of money. To, to go and operate because they're wanting you to take those loans. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. Every day. I see it all the time. It, it, and it sounds, it sounds like probably the best course for probably a, a, a owner operator that, that changed their business formation with a C Corp for them to maybe get us a, a small business credit card, even if it's only $600, and don't carry that balance. Just keep constantly paying it off as quick as possible so that it increases their their credit score for their business, correct? Yeah. It, building business credit is just like building personal credit. And really, in any industry, no matter what, you don't want everything in your name. It needs to be in business names. The reason why you want in business names is protection. Asset protection for personal stuff or say you get into a wreck, Right somebody is going to sue and they're going to come after your personal stuff. Well, they're really not going to get anything because it's through, you're an employee of said corporation and it has to roll through. Oh, hell, I got to pause there. I had a brain fart. Well, I'm so glad you can I edit this. <laughs> um, we know that I, us being admins in the group that we discourage people from factoring. Yep. But there are those that factor, and if they are an LLC and they're factoring, do they, and they want to, you know, change the ownership to a C-Corp, do they have to let the factoring company know that their LLC has now been, you know, brought by a C-Corp? How would that nope. payment process work? Um, they're, if they're going off of your personal credit, then you do need to let them know that you started a C-Corp and it is going to be ran by that. And they might change your interest. It all depends on them. Most of them are going to stay the same, but some will change. This is like we were talking about on the business credit for the um, credit card for the carrier. Get the credit card, build business credit. The more business credit you build, the easier it is to finance and not have your name attached to it. Yes. One one of the reasons that I discourage factoring is because it just makes no sense with the amount of money and cost, and that's a whole nother probably episode about factoring. But oh, it, we're gonna it do just does it just does not make sense for a single truck or you know to to factor because 
when most every single broker out here offers quick pay, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And many of them are less than what the factoring company, for instance, I know a large company that only charges 1.5% two day quick pay. And you can't beat that. I mean, that's far cheaper than paying 2.95%. And then, you know, what a lot of, a lot of these owner operators don't understand is most of their contracts say, 30 days to pay. Okay, well, that sounds great. But uh, when that broker gets to the 30th day, they go to send it over. Well, it takes a couple of days to process that payment over to the factoring company. And I think there's a big misunderstanding out here about factoring. A lot of owner operators think that it's insurance and it's not insurance. They think that, 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 that they're getting insurance and that ensures that they get paid. But they are brokers out there that will not pay. And then they're shocked to find out that that 2.95% went up to 4.95% and it carries over each day that they are late. And, yes. and if the factor and, and there's no such thing as non-recourse, a lot of people say, Oh, there's non-recourse. No, there's not. There's no such thing really, because what happens when that broker does not pay, they're going to, you're going to all of a sudden that $12,000 that you ran for that broker that didn't pay and you factored that you sold that invoice to the factoring company. They're going to all of a sudden deduct that $12,000 out of your account. And you're going to be like, Holy cow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's, that's a big issue too. a lot of, a lot of owner operators and that, like I say, that's a whole nother episode that we need to do is on factoring. But Oh, I'm with That's you there. What, we we need to do that episode. I think um, that should be one of the first few. Because uh, that's, like, a, that's a that's definitely a, a thing that we need to cover because we got a lot of owner operators out here that just do not understand that it does not, and it's the it sucks the blood out of their trucking company. Oh, it, it kills it. You know, most the average trucking company in the nation makes between eight and fourteen percent profit annual. Eight to fourteen percent—that's not a lot of left off the gross. Maybe those That's numbers great. are a little skewed, but are they skewed because owner operators are finding more write-offs? You know, we we do control the majority of the industry, or is it that that's all that's left? If that's all that's left, and say somebody's given ten percent to a dispatching service, you know, one of those freaking hiatus, or if they're given you know two and a half percent or three percent to their factoring company. So now they just gave up 13% of the gross of a load when the average gro uh, net income is only 14%. That's not very good, man. No, that, you, you, I mean, if, even if they're making 14% profit on their own return, that, that leaves them with only 1%. You know, and that that's that's just not enough. I mean, it's just not enough if if they ever going to grow. And that's I think that's one of the biggest issues we see with with companies is the fact that they start these owner operators they start and they get out here and they jump into it too fast and you know and and they just they do not do the research to really see and they don't have anybody out there telling us. So hopefully with owner operator. Uh, mentoring uh, trucking radio, we can give these guys some guidance and and uh, they'll subscribe and listen to us on podcast and YouTube and join our group on Facebook. And well, uh, our, our Facebook groups, it's knocking it out quite nicely. I mean, we're about seventy three hundred members now. 
what what are we at? Two years? Year and a half? Two years? We you know? we started in uh, 2018. Uh, we started in 2018, and and uh, me and Rebecca soon realized, Stephen, that that people just did not divulge information. It's such a competitive market. I hate to use the word cutthroat because it's so derogatory, but it is what it is. But uh, it's a competitive market out here, and people were tight-lipped, and there was so much in- misinformation out there. Oh, you yeah. Know, because it was like they like to see you fail. They you know, want and- to see you fail. They're stupid. They think if you fail, there's going to be more freight for them. They don't understand that there's so many trucks. It's never going to change the analytics until we're all together. If we're all on the same page and say we create 500 strong owner operators, each one of them mentors one person, right? Just one. That's all it takes. One person. Now we got a thousand. Then now we're going to do more and more and more. Pretty soon we've got a hundred thousand strong of strong, smart owner operators making good business decisions buying the equipment properly, and getting out there and running, not getting it in their head, well, I'm the owner-operator, I'm the boss now. I only got to work one week a month. What happens when you have to buy a $40,000 engine working one when week When me and Rebecca first started owner-operator mentor, and I had a, I was in another group, and I, I was asking a question, and, you know, there was a lady in there. She said, uh, call this number. He's been trucking for 40 years. And he can give you, tell you anything you want to know about trucking. And, you know, just out of curiosity, you know, I, I ding-donged around here for a couple of days. And I, I told Rebecca, I said, well, you know what? It might not be such a bad idea. Maybe I need to just pick up the phone and call him and let's see what, you know, he can give me, you know, on what to do, the direction I need to head. And, you know, and that's all I needed. I, and I picked up the phone and I called him and me and him talked for about six hours on the first phone call. And he told me, he said, anytime you need me, he said, it don't matter what time it is. Just pick up the phone and call me. He said, and I'll guide you on what you need to do. And and that's what we need more of. We need more of these guys getting out here and, 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 and letting these guys know what they need to do. And just like you said, if we all on the same page, you know, we're all calling and we're given the same rate to move the same freight. And, and then we put the broker in a position where they got to make a decision about, you know, the real issue is whether or not this carrier has a good CVSA and actually pay attention instead of just taking these cheap carriers that may get their freight there and may not. That, that carrier may stop, you know, and take a three hour. I was doing a run, me and Rebecca, and it was a critical run. And this was a long term contract for about three months. And uh, they brought some more trucks in, and and uh, some of the drivers were stopping and sleeping three hours on a 173-mile run. And me and Rebecca just could not understand why they would stop on a critical load and 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 take a three-hour nap. It just didn't make no sense. And and these loads needed to be delivered like right now, not you know no no delays. They needed to be moved. And it just didn't make sense. And that, I think that that puts the broker in a, a position to where they got to look at these CVSA scores. They got to look at the history of this carrier and then make a decision. And everybody's on the same page and they're not running these. They're not lowering the rates on these lanes. And that's the problem. We got owner operators out here that just simply don't know their cost per mile. You ask them, do they got health insurance? No, they ain't got no health insurance. And they didn't factor that in in their cost oh. per mile. You yeah, know, they're and, not even saving extra for it. Not you know, even so saving extra not, for it. 
No, and it's a sad day, but we get them learned up. We'll get them, you know, one at a time. We'll get it. So I think that I think you're right. As long as we, if we can get a thousand, you know, if we get one, he goes to the second person, and that, and you know, and it just keeps doubling over, you know, every time that they, you know, pass the word along, and I, you know, that's that's the way it needs to be. And maybe we can make a small dent, if nothing else, in our industry, and that's that's what my goal is. And I'll never forget, you know, making that first phone call, and it was probably the best phone call I ever made in my life. And uh, because it put me where I am today to be as knowledgeable in the trucking industry as I am. And I don't know it all. There's a lot of things that I don't know. In fact, just the other night, there was a owner operator in the group and I, I tagged you in the post because I really did not know what direction to send him because I didn't know whether he could move that truck across the state line without having, you know, the proper, uh, numbers on the side of the truck with only having just USDOT numbers. I didn't know that you could go get permits, you know, to, to let, so that he could go pick up a piece of equipment and bring it back. And, and I, I tagged you in the post. So that's why it's good to have other people like you that are knowledgeable in the industry as you are, because as a collective, we have an answer for somebody. And that's what we're doing, you know, and that's the whole goal right here if this can reach a few more people because they can listen to it while they're driving awesome i mean every, everybody stay tuned we're going to go through on the best thing to do in your search for a truck or a trailer inspections you need to do or have done so you don't buy willy-nilly you know don't fall into the hype of everything's going slow or moving fast so you got to just buy it sight unseen we get future episodes we're going to touch on this real soon yeah, yeah, because I seen just the other day uh, in the group where somebody posted they went and bought a truck here in Georgia, and they took it back to their state, and when they got it back, they went to go to have the oil changed, and they pulled the plug, and it's just full of metal, and had they had just done their homework and had an oil analysis done on the truck and had it yep. checked over, they would have saved themselves thousands of dollars. Now they're going to have to have of thousands yeah. Now, now they're going to have to have either another engine put in the truck or either they're going to have to rebuild that engine. And that could be extreme. Yeah. Like you said, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars uh, to, to, to do that. Cause I know a engine swap is close to five grand, you know? Oh, yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, we could save these, these new owner operators from making huge mistakes like that, you know, because they just don't know they're in That's such a, a they, they're such a hurry to get a truck till they make mistakes and hopefully we can do an episode on how to buy a truck yep i say we do that one next but i've got to sign off for today and what's that i was just going to tell you steven and chad both of you thank you for being a part of omm trucking radio and i wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners out there don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel oom trucking radio Come on over to Facebook and join our group, Owner Operator Mentoring. We would love for you to be a part of us. We're going to try to do these podcasts at least once a week. And in the near future, we will have the ability for everybody to call in and ask any type of question that they want related to trucking. Again, thank you both Rebecca, for joining this episode. Rebecca, can you also give them some of the places that they can search uh, like different places to download the podcast and listen to? Do you know some of those places right offhand that you can give them? Yes. 
Like I say, we're on YouTube. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Pandora. We are on the RSS feed. It's uh, rss.com slash pod, forward slash podcast forward slash OOM Trucking Radio. And we are also on, <clears throat> on Facebook, of course, and several more. I'll have to get a detailed list and add it into our and you're working next on, episode. And you're working on Amazon Music, correct? We are on Amazon Music. We've already got the approval, so we are on Amazon Music already. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds like they'll have plenty of places to go and check out people. Don't forget to like and subscribe and and uh, go and download from, from whichever choice that you'd like to listen to. These you'll be able to listen to right on your cell phone, wherever you're at. Like and subscribe. Sounds good.